<laughs> That'll do. Who cares? I don't care. It doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter to Jesus. Do you think it matters to Jesus? Dude, I saw that new artwork and mm. you look just like Jesus. <laughs> the new artwork of Jesus. Like, um, you know, um, I've been seeing a lot of um, AI art lately. It's yes. been intense. Um, been doing the chat GTP as well. Have you tried um, chat GTP yet? No, but I'm thinking after I spoke to you recently that I actually need to start using chat PT mm. for writing my episode descriptions because yeah. every week I'm sitting there in my studio scratching my head like, man, what do I what type I say? Yeah, because what, what you can do is then you just like put in the you know the name what they do and then just ask it can you write a small blurb and then it'll give you the framework and you still got to edit it after that but it's easier to edit something than it is to construct it exactly right? so totally recommend it um, um, people tell me I shouldn't talk about ChatGP that way but it's a really good tool highly recommend it highly recommend it look man I'm sceptical about AI I don't mm-hmm. know where it's going to take us but yeah. I mean <laughs> It, it, right now, it's a tool. If it's handy, it's handy. Well, right? I don't know if it's truly an AI. Uh, they call it an AI. Really, all it is is an algorithm that draws from the internet and has the ability to form sentences. It doesn't mean it's sentient in, a, in that no. sort well, of fashion. Well, it only works off the information that you feed it. Yeah, and and, and I suppose we're like saying that it's um, you know plugged into the internet as this algorithm. Therefore, it knows everything we know. So essentially, when you're talking to chat GTP... Um, you, you're talking to humanity. Mm. Like, that's what it is. You're not talking to a computer that's coming up with those ideas. Those ideas are pulled from people. Uh, so I don't know if it's a true AI in that sense. It's not coming up with concepts and, like, it's not coming up with E equals MC squared. No, but it's not yet because it's only just starting. It, 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 it's needs, yeah. it needs us to feed it that information before mm. it can start using that information for itself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're starting to pull in other information into it um, soon. I think when... Because uh, no, version 4 is out at the moment. Version 5... Because um, version 4 only draws on text uh, that's on the internet. Version 5 will draw on video and image as well uh, to collate answers that you ask it. Um, so that's that's an interesting force. I don't know if it's a bad thing, though. I don't know. I don't know if we're at, um, you know, we're trying to hunt Sarah Connor just yet. I don't know, but I think we should be listening to Elon Musk mm. and being very careful about things. I don't know, though. Like, if you think about the irony in that, Elon is the guy that financed uh, ChatGTP. And so he's the one that's going to know the dangers of it, mm. correct? Well, there's also um, the argument, um, I guess you would call it the um, Oppenheimer argument, you know. If we don't build a nuclear bomb, the opposition will. So if they, you know, and, and, and we're talking about supercomputers that could potentially do stock manipulation. Like, you know, there's some high-end stuff that this software can do. And I imagine it has applications that are beyond even our own wildest dreams. Uh, so we have to do it. It's one of those things. It's the Oppenheimer problem. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, there's an Oppenheimer film coming out, which I'm excited about. Um, yeah, That'll be it? interesting. Yeah, it's got, uh, uh, what's the guy I mean? Uh, the... Um, uh, the cool Batman's um, uh, did uh, Inception, um, Nolan, uh, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, yeah. So Christopher Nolan's doing it with the guy from Peaky Blinders, and he's the he's Oppenheimer. Yeah, cool. Yeah, man, it looks really, really good. Hey, man, do you think we're ready to go and jump into the show or what? 
What do you reckon? Whenever you're ready, man. All right. And welcome to the Pager Train. Today I have in the studio with me uh, Nathan, um, a podcaster from Not So Secret Dad's Ministers and um, a budding and a fellow conspiracy theorist. Welcome to the show. It's been a while, my friend. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been what, a journey. Four years now. Yeah, it's been four years, man. It's been a journey. Um, we've both been on a journey in that time, you know. Um, but, um, you know, you've gone out and started a podcast. Um, you know, uh, Not So Secret Dad's Business. I've. Um, had the um, the joy of watching it grow, and you know the joy of watching it expand, and um, yeah, I'm just glad I you know had some part in that influence, man. You know, you did, man, because I mean I was working here with you for a little while there, and and I mean we both had a love for podcasting when we first met, mm. and so having worked with you was really cool because. I learnt a little bit more about media and what I was looking at. Mm -hmm. Like, even just with an audio wave, looking at the screen, I, I learnt a bit more what I was looking at. Mm. And so for me, man, it was like after I'd left mm. and... And COVID. Did, did what I had to do. <laughs> COVID was yeah. a, a hard thing too. Yeah. Um, I was bored, of, but I'd, I'd caught the itch. And yeah. I was like, I've got to, I've got to do something, mm. and I think it was about twelve months. I was talking about yeah. doing a podcast, yeah. and my sister ended up buying me a condenser mic, and she said, "I'm tired of hearing you talk. Mm. Just do it." Yeah. So yeah, man, I just. Well, with your experience doing it though, because um, like when you start up, you have an idea in your head about what you want to do, and you know, so you you pick a topic that. Is something that you you want to engage in, right? So you know, not so secret. Dad's business is about you know um, uh, fathers and their experience. Yeah, it's a it's a fatherhood podcast, really. Mm. Um, the one thing I learnt about uh, about seven years ago is that there's nothing or no support out there for dads. Mm. Like you think about, there's always mummy and me groups and stuff like that. Yeah. There's nothing there for dads, yeah. no support. And I didn't really have a whole heap of close friends myself who mm. were fathers themselves. So mm. I didn't know who to talk to. Mm. So I thought as a podcast, it would be cool to connect with other dads and talk about dad stuff. Mm. And the whole idea behind the title, not so, being in brackets is that everybody always talks about secret men's business or yeah. secret dad's business. And yeah. it's like, you know what? Like, we've got to get together as a group of dads and talk about stuff. Mm. And so it's not so a secret. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good name, man. I think um, uh, for what you're doing, I think it's um, it's really, um, I'm really... I think there's a space there for it. And I think you're right about that, like... We do look after a whole bunch of other people. And don't get me wrong, we should. But I think um, dads are sort of the forgotten ones, aren't they? They're the, they're the guys that they go, he'll be all right. Because he's, he's the bloke in the house, right? This idea of, um, you know, uh, which is leaned against, in, you know, a lot of gender politics. Um, but there's still the, the idea that, um, you know, what are the networks for men? What are the networks for men to, for, from boy, for boys to become to men? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think society has changed so much in the last 50 years from that nuclear family model to the model that we have now, which is quite fragmented. You, if you talk to any individual about their family status, you're going to find a myriad of different um, uh, arrangements, um, you know, from single parents to shared parenting to um, parents that have joined a family or 
um, uh, people that um, uh, have had, uh, they're on their second marriage with their second set of kids. You know, there's different attributes and that, and they, those attributes really come from, I, I, I believe the, you know, the feminist movement, you know, women going into the workforce and the changing dynamic of what the workforce is. Because mm-hmm. um, it used to be the blokes that used to just go to work and, you know, and, and would fulfill those gender roles. But those, all of those things have been eroded. And I think during that process, um, the assumption that men are okay um, is sort of where we've been forgotten. Yeah. yeah, and it's not only that, but because there are more women in the workforce now than there were, say, in the 50s, 60s or 70s, mm. even the 80s, and and going into the 90s, I guess, um, is that fathers have a more integral role, more hands-on role mm. nowadays than they did in, in any other generation. Yeah. You know, so like the, the, true, the yeah. idea of fatherhood is changing mm. in itself. Um, but the the really cool thing about it is, is that I've not just spoken to other dads. I've been able to talk to psycho uh, psycho psychologists. Mm-hmm. I think that's the word. Psycho psychologist. That's a bit scary. Actually, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah, psychologists. Psychotherapists. Yes, that's, that's the, one. the word. Psychotherapists. <laughs> Sorry, psychos. Um, um, we don't mean to, you know, discriminate against psycho uh, therapists either. <laughs> uh, if you're psycho, let your psycho hang out. But yeah. <laughs> um, you know, psychotherapists. I've spoken to. I've spoken to, uh, and possibly my most controversial episode was speaking to a porn addiction uh, life coach. Okay. You know, and um, I had a lot of men reaching out to me like, why would I listen to a woman talking about, you know, me watching porn or me masturbating or Mm. or whatever? Um, So that was an interesting one to do. Um, I think my most favourite one, Mm. I actually spoke with Sarah Edmondson and mm. Nippy Ames, who live up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, they're both celebrities in their own right. They're <laughs> both in TV shows and films and whatnot. Mm. But they were the first ones to blow the whistle on the Nexium cult. What's the Nexium cult? So the ne- Nexium... I've uh, got that right. So Nexium... Nexium is spelt... Uh, N-E-X-V-I-M. V-I-M, okay, gotcha. Yep. And so it started off as like a personal development group. Mm-hmm. And it was all about, you know, building a business and... Yeah, uh, building community, building business through community, by the sounds exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it turned into this massive cult where the women... Okay, so the leader of this cult was Keith Raniere. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just... What's the word? Psychopath? <laughs> he was a psycho. He was a psycho. Yeah, yeah. He was narcissistic. <laughs> he he just had all this networks network built up in such a way that he was able to separate everybody into like little groups and mm. he ended up having and this is where Sarah got really caught up, was he ended up having a small group of women mm. who were branded with his initials. What, you mean like a tattoo or like an actual no, brand? No, like a brand. It like was hot iron, in, hot iron. Burnt into their skin Far with out. a cauterizing iron. Yeah, wow. Um, and so I spoke to uh, Sarah basically about, you know, how she worked through that mm. because there's a whole heap of healing in that. Um, but also spoke to Nippy, her husband, about how he 
managed to work through that as her husband. Mm. And then also the second half of that episode is how they've still been able to work through that trauma mm. and not pass that trauma onto their kids or like how to still yeah, not, to stop the transaction. that from their yeah, kids. Yeah, to stop the transaction of that energy. Yeah. And those yeah. emotions, yeah, that's heavy. Um, and so I think that's one of my most favourite episodes I've done is where I've sat down with them and really... Yeah, really got into the uh, nuts and bolts of that. It's not just about fatherhood, it's about therapy, it's about mental health, it's about... Mm. Almost like I spoke to you last time when I was on the show, like mental health is a big thing for me. Yeah. yeah. And whether it's, it's, it's through helping someone who is dealing with something... Mm-hmm. Or whether it just helps somebody else understand a thought pattern differently. Or... Yeah, yeah. How to look upon their issues rather yeah. than being in their issues. Yeah, they they can be a really hard journey. Um, uh, even myself included, man. Like um, being able to zoom out from my own problems um uh, has had its challenges. Oh, we got the, 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 the it went it went. Ah, oh, don't move. We got another one for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Pull the chair back in. Pull that chair back in. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just managing through my own problems of, you know, zooming out and understanding that, you know, we're all complex beings, right? Um, we, we all need that human connection. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it, if you took 10 people and asked them to stand on a football field, they wouldn't stand at equal increments apart. They would gather together. So it's evidence that shows that people need people. Mm-hmm. If you, and unfortunately, um, I've, you know, experienced a few deaths in my family and 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 friendships lately, and the relation, the, the the commonality or the the bottom denominator that I see between those deaths was that they were hermits. They didn't have a lot of human connection. They were stuck in their own bubble, and they it was assumed that they were strong people. Mm-hmm. It's just assumed, and even the strongest people need to. Um, um, be held in their vulnerability sometimes, you know, and yeah, and I, I, I always say like people don't like talk, especially blokes. It's the idea we're not supposed to talk about our feelings. We're not supposed to be emotional beings, but the the, the reality is that we are human. You know, mm-hmm. we are human, and uh, that's it. identifying that is the first sort of step of uh, you know healing, healing what's going on. Because yeah. we're, we're going through a transition as society. The, the civil movements that we're going through are important. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and don't get me wrong, like the Me Too movement is super important, man. And very, uh, super important, but very damaging for men as well. Yeah, that's right. Because there's, there's then it went effect. from the Me Too movement to believe every woman. And it's like, well, then where do false accusations yeah, get where, put to the wayside? Where does that line occur? Yeah. Where does that line occur? You start blurring lines there. And I think it has had um, a residual effect, a negative residual effect on men in general. Like men, all men aren't predators. Like, you know, the most majority of people are just normal. They're not all psychopaths. Um, there's psychopaths out there. They, they certainly are uh, to the extreme levels. You know, look at serial killers, for instance. They're like to the extreme level of that. But there's also people that uh, are pulled back from that. People that are confidence men that, that manipulate people. Money managers, yeah. yeah. Bernie Madoff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, everyone loved him. Um, it's ironic that his last name was Madoff, which is hilarious. But, um, <laughs> but aside from that, um, they trusted him. He was a sociopath that did not care. He just wanted... He was running a Ponzi scheme and was successful at it. Yep. Um, and the numbers reflected it and everyone accepted the lie. That's how good of a manipulator he was. But that that person's not a representation of 
the you know the broad spectrum of men no and and it's the same with women as well like there's different types of women out there and 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 it's been known as well if you if you look at court cases around the western world about custody of children generally goes to to women right yep um it's this accepted thing that um uh, the the woman is the best person to um to look after a child and I know, and I'm not saying that there aren't cases that exist where there's a violent person in that relationship that should not be anywhere near the, you know the child or the mother because they're they're a horrible person. Um, but that's not all cases. And and it, when you talk about those cases, even talking about it now, it would be ear pricking for people like, "What's he going to say next?" But like you know, where's the attack vector for that notion? It's even difficult to talk about it in an open and honest way. Um, and it's risky. It's a risky conversation because you could be branded that, you know, oh, terrible uh, really, you know, relationship there. But, but you know, but it is that there is that cult nature to it, man. There is that political divide and that polarization. Absolutely, there really, really is. Yeah, you know, and it's we're in a really weird state at the moment because we've got the the massive feminism movement, which in my mind, is no longer a feminist movement. It's mm. a misandrist movement. Mm. What do you mean by misandrist? So, misandrist, but everybody knows who, what a misogynist is, right? That's, that's a yeah, man... Yeah, easily identified. Yeah. A, a woman-hating man, right? Yeah. Misandry is a the man opposite yeah, no, of that. A man-hating... Yeah, a man-hating woman? A man-hating... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man-hating woman? Yep. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, no, it was the other way around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And misandry is, well, you know, women just hating men. Okay. You know, and, and that's really what I feel a lot of today's modern feminism is. Mm. It's, it's not about equality anymore. Mm. It's about misandry. It's about tearing men down yeah. for women to be able to climb up. Yeah, and it's that patriarchal argument as well. It's about patriarchy, right? Um, and I think there's elements in society that... Um, yeah, gender roles exist, man. Most bricklayers are men. Most people that build roads are men. Um, we've built we've built a whole bunch of stuff for people to occupy. But I guess that um, on the other end of it, I, I would say that society has advanced this far because of the general populace co- cooperating. And what lev- whatever level that is, you know, whether it's gender roles or you know um, mixing up gender roles, it's all about based upon cooperation. Yep. Um, if you don't, a lot of people will say that money makes the world go round. Uh, but really, what makes the world go around is love. Um, and you can prove that. Like, there's 7 billion people on the planet. You know, th- th- it's generated by love and cooperation. Yeah. And there's exceptions to the rule. Don't get me wrong. There's some horrible exceptions to the rule, in fact. But that's not the mainstream um, uh, motivator for perpetuation of the species, man. You know, and, and, they, and those roles are changing. Don't get me wrong. And, and they perhaps they should. And, and, and perhaps we should advance, but... We shouldn't be leaving people behind. And I think, you know, um, the general bloke is being left behind a little bit, you know? No, well, that's It feels I'm... like that. It certainly feels like that. Well, I think that's where I'm pretty lucky is that I'm trying to keep my circle small still. Like, I, I have people listening to the podcast all across the world from mm. Poland to um, Zimbabwe to Japan to mm. uh, the US and here in Australia too. Mm. But... I try to keep a lot of what I'm talking about like really relevant to the everyday man. Mm. I don't want to get sucked into the PC bullshit. Yeah. 
because that's just a rabbit hole that's not worth going down. Well, PC is just another word for second speak, right? Peace, politically correct means that you believe two things at the same time, really. Like you believe, you know, one thing to be true, but you say another thing to be true. That's what politically correct really... That's the origins, the etymology of politically correct. Uh, it comes from communist society um, being politically correct. Uh, yeah. Now we've adapted it in the Western world. In the, you know, uh, capitalist democratic world adapts this saying. Um, it doesn't mean you should be an asshole. I'm not saying be an asshole. Like, if, if someone identifies a certain way, it's rude to say, you know, um, you know you're not a bloke or you're not a, you're not a chick. Yeah, it's rude to say that. Um, keep, keep your like, like I was. It's uncouth. Yeah. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything yeah. at all. Yeah, that's right. It's rude. It's rude, and you should allow people to. And that's the other thing. When you look at like I was talking about this the other day, man. If you look at from a religious point of view, I've heard some comedians out there say, you know, like if God's a real thing, wouldn't you want to mix it up a bit? Like you want you want those um, agenda lines to be a bit blurred at the border. You borders. want to have a bag of skittles. Yeah, you do. You want you want you want these different things. Like I have. Um, um, uh, you know, I think when you go back in time, I think you know um, it was more about homosexuality rather than gender politics. And, you know, some of the best people I know are gay, man. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, why is that a problem? I, don't, I just don't see it as a problem. If you want to identify, identify. Um, if you want to recognize, recognize. Um, and, and, I, and there's something I've been going through a lot uh, a bit lately is, is the racial journey, you know, um, is, you know, what you recognize and identify as, you know, because there's difference between recognition and identification, you know. Um, we all have different lines in us. We are all um, um, smears on the on the paintwork, right? Um, why why would you want it to be bland and the same throughout? Uh, you, there's an argument for the nuclear family, right? You know those gender roles. You know, and and and, and people would even say um, when the t going gets tough, those gender roles are immediately adopted again, right? Um, and, you know, the argument in the Ukraine, you know, the soldiers had to stay and the women and children got to leave. The bank hostage situation, um, you can look at it that way. But, again, though, I like the fragmentation. Um, I like where we're going. Like, the stories that are coming... Like, it's good to look at movies, right? The stuff that's coming out in the movies at the moment is so vast and variety, other than the Marvel stuff. But if you look at independent film, what they're doing in independent film at the moment is cutting edge. It is new. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to be new. This day and age, we are um, a, a generation of um, reference of old pop culture. You go to the 70s, you can identify 70s as disco. You can identify the 60s as being hippie. You can identify the 80s as being, you know, um, you know, uh, um, uh, affluent and, you know, uh, money grabbing and, and, and you know, the, the fashion from the time, the fashion from the 60s, the fashion from the 70s, the fashion from the 80s, fashion from the 90s. You get to the end of the 90s and start to get 2007... What identifies the noughties? What identifies the, 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 the teens of the, you know, of the 2000s? What identifies the 20s and the 2000s? They're just references to the previous five decades. No, because it's become dangerous to be different. Yeah, there's no, like, no identity. I mean, I'm an elder millennial, so I was a born... Zenial. You're a Zenial. I'm a Zenial. <laughs> I'm a yeah. Zenial as well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was born 86, and so I still drank from the hose, and I still came home when the street lights came on yeah. i still did all that stuff knows how to, know but, how to use a doll phone yeah no I, I had a landline i had a rotary phone at my grandma's house i played cassettes and vhs all that cool stuff mm. that cool analog stuff mm. and i watched 
the digital age come into play. Mm. And at 37, I feel like an old man because mm. I cannot keep up. Like we were talking earlier about chat... Beat, uh, chat GTP, yeah. Yeah, and sorry. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't keep up. I honestly, I feel like an old man. Well, I, I still keep up, but I still feel like an old man <laughs> because I, I've um, heard young people make references from memes and I'd say, oh, have you seen uh, Fight Club? And they'd be like, no, I just, you know, I quoted this from a meme I saw. I go, well, that's actually a quote from Fight Club, you know, from 1999, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, um, you know. Fantastic this- movie. Fucking mad movie. Um, if you listen to Fred Durst... Even better book, really. Great book. I actually noticed there was two differences in the book. You know, like Most books are very different from the movie, eh? We, everyone yeah. can agree on that. But Fight Club was actually pretty close, except very, for two scenes. Very, very close. Except for except two scenes. For the two. There's two scenes. The ending was totally different, and how he met Tyler Durden was different. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that's different. He meets Tyler Durden on a beach uh, in the book, and uh, the ending in the book is way better. Cause, yes. Well, look, to be a spoiler, to be a spoiler, explain the end of Fight Club in the book, right? Because in the movie... He holds on to Marla Singer's hand and he goes, oh, you know, you've met me in a strange time in my life. And he becomes this leader of the revolution. That's the assumption of the ending, right? That's right. But in the book, um, uh, he ends up in a fight and he gets his tongue bitten off. The tongue gets kicked across the ground. And um, he, as he's dying, his fear is that even in heaven, someone with a mop will push by him with a black eye and say, we're onto it. Yeah. His fear is that his schizophrenia will even follow him in death. And that is a way, like, punchier, fearful ending. It would have made really good for film. It would have. They didn't push the envelope on that one. They made it a nice, safe exit. I think, but, I mean, the film overall was really, really good. Like, Well, it broke cinema, cinematography rules straight away with lighting. So most, most lighting is tungsten lighting, and they do use fluorescent lighting. That's No one done that before. Before Fight Club, no one had done it. Um, the whole idea of um, the protagonist being an antagonist because they're the same person is is very that's a that's an unusual um, formula as well. Like it was, it, it's yardstick, you know. And I've heard people quote that that are definitely millennials or what's the new guys the um, uh, Z, oh, the Z? Zoomers. Zoomers are they yeah, called Zoomers? Gen Z. Gen Z. They're quoting a meme rather than the film, and then yes. I then I feel like an old man. Oh, dude, I actually put up a post on my uh, Facebook page not long ago, the Not So Secret Dad's Business mm. Facebook page. Check it out, Not So Secret Dad's Business, if you're not there yet. Check it out. Go oh, check it out. Actually, Spotify, while basically, I'm at, anywhere you can find podcasts. While I'm at it, Ross, <laughs> I actually I bought a present for you. Oh, you bought a present for me? And it's in the most micro, microphone safe wrapping. Oh, ever. is it? Oh, really? Cellophane. See if I can. There we go. Yeah, yeah, it's very microphone safe. Oh, you got me a shirt from this podcast, man. That's mad. Thank you very much. I'll wear so, this. Um, I'll I wear this you, next I time. I hope you like that, man. But, um, yeah, yeah, great. <coughs> yeah, look, uh, where was I? I'd completely lost my train of thought. I don't man. know. Uh, we're talking about uh, not so secret dad's business. Here's the, here's the shirt, Ken's. Oh, it's, it's got the back. Get a load of that. Get that one? It's on oh, Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you stream your podcasts. Well, you used to be in, you know, like now, we, now we're swinging a podcast, man. You used to be on Anchor, right? But you switched. What did you swing? You switched off. You switched off to Captivate. Why did you switch from Anchor to Captivate? Because I find Anchor to be very good. Why did? Why the switch? I I thought the analytics would be more accurate with somebody else because they'd be pulling for from 
different AIBs. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, it's gotten better. It's gotten better on anchor though. It's gotten better on like, anchor. It's gotten better on anchor though. I believe so. Yes. Uh, just I was getting more Spotify stuff from uh, from anchor than I was from Apple, from Google, from okay. anywhere else. So you reckon it's aggregated differently? Uh, okay. But it's it's kind of cool with Captivate because I can look at it and I can see how many different listeners have been on that day. Yeah, yeah. I can see what episodes are trending that day. I can see just a little more information. Mm. I got a little hung up in the numbers yeah. rather than... It's, a, it's an interesting trap to get caught up in the numbers. Um, like I paid money. I pay, was it, 29 bucks a month or thereabouts for the numbers... Yeah. Whereas Anchor, which is now Spotify for podcasters, totally yeah, um, video um, to Spotify, check it out. Um, so that's, I was one of the first. That's still I was one, free. I was one of the first. I was because I like because um, I publish every week. You were right? you and Joe Rogan. Yeah, man. I was like I was up there really quickly, um, and it was great because uh, my viewership went through through, through the roof. Because what you want to do as a video podcast, you want to change viewers to listeners. Mm-hmm. You want them, you want, you know, like YouTube, great. Like YouTube uh, has its audience and that's fine. But um, what you want is those Spotify listeners, uh, those Apple iTunes listeners. Because li- then you're on the commute. You want to be in the car, right? That's, I think I find that's where a good place is to be. Like with that said though, I do get told sometimes, like, you know, um, I listen to you while I sleep. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I put you to sleep? Um, uh, no. I actually had one uh, just the other day. My manager at work, he came to me. He goes, hey, really like your show. You should keep doing that. You're really talented. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's a good just show, out man. of curiosity, why did you stop to listen? He goes, oh, well, you mentioned you did a podcast. Yeah. And so it was two in the morning and I couldn't sleep. I went, so you needed something to... To knock you out. To, to knock you out. He goes, no, but I decided just to search your name in... Yeah, yeah in whatever in platform. Google, uh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. He goes, and, and I found it, and I had to listen to it. And it's really good. Like, mm. please don't get too good at it, though, because we, we need, need you to stay. here. Oh, man, look, I don't need to tell anyone. It is super hard to make money in podcasting. Um like I've recently just triggered to monetize on Spotify and YouTube, but I haven't triggered it yet because I'm like I've I've just developed this audience and I don't want to hit them with ads just yet. Mm. Um, but it's coming, folks. It's definitely coming because I've got yeah uh, you know, I've got to pay these producers one day. You know I I, I, I literally crack a whip on them. Um, it's good that they they get out of the basement, so I let them out of the basement. And they come up and they get to see a bit of daylight before the sun. Hey, Yan, have you seen the daylight today? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no. He cracked yeah. the whip extra hard today. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I got the. Uh, but no, they work very hard, and I really appreciate you guys. Uh, but if I can get some sponsorship and get that monetization going soon, that'd be great. But, but at the same time, if you get into podcasting thinking that you're going to make money, I think it's the wrong reason to get into it. I think you 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 need to have an inquisitive mind. Like you need to want to be an interviewer, and interviewing people is not. What you, you know, not what you think it is. It's sort of change, like it morphs on you. It changes on you. Because um, here we are with headphones on. We're locked in. There's no interruptions. Um, I've I've got to we've got to pass this baton around. Like it's your go, it's my go. Where are we going to go and why are we going there? And 
I, I find I really enjoy the art of podcasting. Uh, it's something that I thought was going to be easy when I started it. Like how hard can it be sort of attitude. And as soon as I started doing it, I realized, shit, man, um, it is pretty hard. Um, that's, just the, that's just the art of it before we've done the tech. Like we haven't done the tech on it yet. Just doing this, um, it can be challenging because we're putting ourselves out there, right? You're putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. Um, and talking about things that, you know, you mo- not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to agree with what you say. And you're putting yourself out there, you know? I don't expect people to agree with me either. Mm. Um, and I, I, I actually want to point this out as well with my show. A big thing that I say is that I don't give advice. Because I think as a podcaster, you're given a lot of power. Like, mm. you've got the mic right in front of your mouth Mm. you got people listening to you and so i don't think it's it's my place to give advice it's it's my place to ask the questions and ask where other people have been Mm. and ask them how they dealt with it and then if my listener just takes a little bit bits of pieces from here and little bits of pieces from there Mm -hmm. and it benefits them as as a man as a person as a father mm. well then i feel like i won there yeah, yeah but i'm not there going i think you should be doing this or i think you should be doing that yeah, yeah that's a bit yeah it's a bit that's a bit you know, i always put my opinion across because as you know i mm. i have pretty colorful opinion yeah as we all do but, but i mean I'm not one there to say, hey, this is how I think you should be doing things. Yeah. Well, I'd well, rather ask how people do things. No, I think there's a bit of a thin line, though, because like, like, you are talking about numbers before, and you get caught up in the numbers, right? And getting caught up in the numbers, you shouldn't use that as a vanity thing. I think you told, I think you framed it well when I was talking to you yesterday. It was about um, having those vanity, vanity clicks, right? I don't want the vanity click. I want someone to click on and actually listen to the conversation. And then you have your core audience, and that core audience is everything to me. I want to know what they want to listen to, and I'll and I'll I'll I'll, I'll move towards that market. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's also that tug tug of war. There's also the guests that I want to talk to, what I'm interested in. Yeah. So those numbers can really pull you into the audience. Um, but I, I I just I would say to people, if you're getting into podcasting, look at the numbers as an indicator. It's not the bible. It's not the it's not the manual to run your operation. The manual to run your operation is your passions and your, your des- drive. Your drive. Just where you're at. Yeah, what you want. I mean, I uh, like, like I say with the the uh, episode with Sarah and and Nippy, mm. um, you know, like that wasn't one really focused around fatherhood, but there was a lot there that I thought could relate. I guess, like you know, through parenthood, that kind of thing. Um, but it was more the people I wanted to talk to. Mm. I'm actually, in this one, I've been trying to keep under my belt because, again, it's... it's don't say that, too much. Don't, give, no, don't, don't, don't announce it too much. What but is there's, it? There's a, a certain gentleman who's a journalist I've spoken to okay. that is happy to re- record with me, and he's uh, recently released an, uh, a podcast um, about child... Exploitment. Oh, jeez, that's material. Heavy. Yeah, that's heavy. To- that's a heavy um, topic, and it's a very heavy topic. But I think it's worth having the conversation about on the podcast because 
it's it's not just like it used to be when we were kids, where it's no, like yeah, you, everyone knew the Polaroids like, passed around and all that. Like it has, got it is very advanced. Kids, it's very advanced what they're doing now, you've got and it's kids scary. Kids playing Roblox and like normal games on smart devices, mm. and you've got predators in your home. And the well, there's more predators don't... than you think, though. That's the thing. You, you, you think they're a small number, um, but when I was doing news, um, I learned and I learned some horrific things that you go, "Wow, man! That there, there, there are there are pedophile rings out there. There are people doing fucking horrible things." And, man. It, and it turned out that the person running this particular ring lived in South Australia. Mm. You know, so I just I want to have this conversation. As I don't want to have it. Not a conversation I want to be having, but I feel like it's an important one because I want to talk to him about how not only having investigated this, but having kids, two daughters, 10 years apart, so one seven and, and one And dealing 17, with that content, yeah, dealing with that subject. And, and content, he yeah. was, he even mentioned that he couldn't hug his own daughter because he was so disturbed by this material. He... Mm. The line got too blurred. Mm. You know, yeah, so. yeah, wow. So, yeah, but that's... See, I think that's, like, some of the heaviest content you can do, really, when you think about that. Like, And, like, I must say, though, we were talking about civil movements before, right? About the fragmentation of society and how things have changed for people. And we're talking about predators and versus non-predators. And an in, a good indication for me that we're on the right path. This is going to sound horrible, but you're going to have to deal with it, folks. Put it in the comments. Um, it was Cardinal Pell, right? Didn't get a state funeral, but Father Bob did, right? Yeah, I didn't you, you understand know, that. Yeah, but no, no. But Father Bob, he was, he was, um, he was a good guy. I was cheering that Pell didn't get a state funeral. Yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. He doesn't deserve it. That's what I'm saying. I don't know about Father Bob. I'm well, not clued. Well, Father in, Bob, but... Father Bob was the guy that was with um, John Safran on Triple J. Oh right, yes. So he got so you got this really genuine John humor. Safran. He was doing some real hard hitting stuff yeah, at the time, and, and they were talking about you know the idea of existence. You know, the, you know, diving right into Catholicism, Judaism, um, and they would banter and, and in a really authentic, honest way. He did that on SBS, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, on ABC, ABC, ABC Radio. Yeah, uh, tri- Triple J. No, he did. A, he did a. Um, a TV show about it. What, John Saf- Safran vs. God. Oh yeah, he did on that. He, yeah, John Safran did that on SBS. But my point is, is that um, um, Father Bob was a dude that was on Triple J, uh, who was who revered as Doctor Carl. You know what I mean? Like mm. a really approachable person. He actually got demoted in the Catholic Church because of his views, so that he was suppressed in his um, advancement in the organization. Um, but then you've got someone who wasn't suppressed in the organisation, who became the third most powerful ca- Catholic in the world, didn't get a state funeral, but Father Bob did. And I think that's an indicator of, yeah, no, things are on the right track. It's rough. It's a rough road. Um, uh, these acknowledgements about what people have done, and especially th- th- heinous crimes against children, these things are exposed, mm. and um, the, the public have spoken. And that, that that movement, like, because that's that fine line with cancel, you know, being cancel culture, right? You know, essentially, Pell was cancelled, you know, in, in that respect. But then you've got this other other Catholic that's actually a genuine dude that wasn't cancelled, 
And I think that's the that's the real contrast. And that I think that is a indicator that we're on the right path. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean because we if, another another way to look at it is we're going through an age of enlightenment. If you look back to the 16th century, you know you had this crazy dude, you know Copernicus, that was saying that planets are round, and this, the Earth is not the center of the the universe. Um, the, the first person to say that was a dude called Bruno. Uh, they burned him at the stake uh, for saying such things. Uh, it was Copernicus that proved it, and it was Galileo that really you know you know picked it up and really took on the church yeah. and and that's where um uh, protestant comes from from the catholic church that's protestant means protest right so through the age of enlightenment uh, martin luther not martin luther king but martin luther um he said well people should be literate they should read their own bible you don't need a priest to be literate and to keep the town illiterate for him to read what you should be doing is putting the power of belief in people's hands and that was the age of enlightenment well guess what where we are now we have this little device in our hand that act that is promoting freedom of ideas and but the problem with the promoting of freedom of ideas is that you have people you know i hate that sorry about the flat earthers sorry about this but um you have people that are perpetuating non-scientific doctrine that is inaccurate um and but you the only way to combat that is with better um, uh, conversation. You need to have that conversation. As a globalist, I'm happy to have that conversation. Well, I think the ir- irony of flat earthers is that they've wirecast, um, uh, you know, talks about flat Earth. Um, to wirecast means it's going through satellites that are. Uh, the the, 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 ir- the irony will bowl you over. <laughs> like, that's that's like all the flat earthers across the globe unite. <laughs> But I'll certainly say this. I think that Flat Earthers um, was started as a prank by two Aussies. Um, and I think that the conspiracy theories that are around things that are actual conspiracies, you know, um, you know, Building 7, just, you know, not, not to be triggering, Building 7 just falling on its own, um, Kennedy having his head blown off, the start of the Vietnam War, the start of the Iraq War, the start of the Afghanistan War. Is everybody at the farm listening? Yeah. <laughs> CIA, we're talking to you. Oh, dude, I got super paranoid the other day, man. I had ISIS. ISIS has to be in on, on it too. No, dude, let me hit you. With, like you, we were talking about analytics before. Let me hit you with these analytics out of Anchor. Out of Anchor, I found that I had all of my episodes downloaded in one day in Virginia. What's in Virginia? It's got a. It's Langley. It's, 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 the, it's the CIA. Farm. So, you know, um, you know, surrounded in, in, a, in a haze of bong smoke, one could be very fucking paranoid. Um, I, you, you know, uh, but with that said, you know... That the, being said, man, episode seven of the Pagey Train, we're talking about Operation <laughs> Northwoods and how George Bush used it for 9-11 because Kennedy didn't have the guts to use it for Cuba. Mm. Well, yeah, the Bay of Pigs, man. Bay of Pigs, uh, Kennedy pulled out. I uh, wanted to float the dollar. Wanted to disband the CIA. I think he signed his own death warrant doing that, um, which is terrible. Because like um, for me, I've been chasing my um, DNA heritage band, you know, and I've learned that I'm um, heavily Irish. And if you look at Kennedy, he was the first Irishman to be president because he was from uh, Massachusetts, right? He, you know, that's where the accent comes from. He's got that and that's, yeah. Bostonian accent, right? That Massachusetts accent. And the Kennedys are American royalty. That's right. Let's face it. 
Yeah, but yeah, but well, again though, um, if you look at the Kennedys' um, uh, founding of wealth, it was during Prohibition, um, and, and like and as well, like all of those foundings of wealth usually are tied to military in a lot of ways as well. They all served in the military, all had those networks, and uh, were running to the. But it, it was trade. it was it was a family legacy that everybody was sticking to. Yeah, well, look at Jack Daniels is still around, right? Yeah. What do you think exactly. they were fucking doing in 1920? Same <laughs> as Jamison in, in Ireland. It's the same deal, right? And, 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 and look at, if you look at the contrast to now, yes, we are in a stage of enlightenment, but we're also in a stage of prohibition as well, the, the war on drugs, you know. You can tie yourself to a, um, another human being, jump out of a perfectly good aeroplane, sign a waiver, that's safe. <laughs> but you can't go and buy weed because that's dangerous. Um, we we are in a childish posture. We're talking about religion before. With religion, they're fifty years behind. Government is thirty years behind. If you look at um, uh, the people and their movement, that's where that's where the apex is. That's the that's the spear that is piercing new ideas. And those new ideas are. You know, uh, and the old hat is the you know, energy oligarchs, and that power is moving to the uh, you know the tech giants mm. and and those movements and they need to be corrected don't get me wrong i love that elon bought twitter because you know the public square um having freedom of speech is fucking important um the problem with freedom of speech is like if you hear everything you're not 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 going to like everything you hear and if you disagree with it combat it with good speech but again this is why sorry end of rant <laughs> this again no but again i think that's perfect you've you've tied it back in beautifully because this is why i've started the not so secret dad's mm. business podcast is that as we grew up as older older millennials zennials yeah. whatever yeah, name yeah, yeah. you want to give it um you're one foot zennial one foot millennial and i'm like both feet zennial I'm Gosh. older. I've got grey hair. Yeah. I'm no, amazed you haven't got, got grey hair yet. I've got a couple. No, you're looking pretty fresh, bro. You're looking pretty <laughs> fresh, but I've got a couple in the beard. But It's wisdom. It's wisdom. The, the thing I miss is community. Yeah. 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 It's like I remember growing up, everybody in the street knew everybody. Mm. Even the adults. But like, even now, as a... And I mean, as an adult myself, mm. even at the school run, picking Eli up on, or my son up on, on, on Fridays, mm. I don't want to talk to anybody there, because yeah. why? why? I don't know them. But when we when I was a kid, like, community was important. Like, we went to the neighbor's house every weekend for a barbecue. Yeah, yeah, barbecue. There was a get-together, or there was... Or the street gathering of kids on the corner. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, or you all played footy in the street. And or cricket, yeah, cricket, yeah, car for cricket. And, you know, one person would have a um, a football, one person would have a skateboard, there'd be a couple of bikes getting and about. And all shared it, and, like, everybody in the neighbourhood, like, there was a community. Yeah, yeah. There is no community anymore, well, even living in the same street. Dude, I think, no it's, I think it's been said before, we're living in a, a Bill Hicks fucking joke, man. Um, you know, where, you know, the, the, we've got the pizza man that's coming up the driveway and, you know, being attacked by Rottweilers because we're worried about, you know, um, diseases getting us and people attacking our children, you know, um, and you question, 
Why is the um, <laughs> he almost made it that time? And you know the the, the dude. Uh, why is the dog eating the, the the delivery driver and not the pizza, bro? You know that's a Bill yeah. Higgs joke, right? And we are living in that joke of the idea that we're isolated and we're being monitored, and it's 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 in a stage of Orwellian. But I really believe this, Nathan. I really believe this that um, the, the 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 butting heads of the military industrial complex and the hippie movement, the Steve Jobs of the world that want to put music in your pocket versus the Zuckerbergs that get an award for the, from the CIA from being able to monitor everyone's movements. Um, those, I think, I really believe that, that out of that movement, um, humans will prevail. And, and, and it may be in the future even integrated with machines. And that's where we're going, right? Consciousness is going to shift. And if we allow um, our current rulers to button us down, we will be enslaved. We just will be. It's just the natural economic decision to make. People argue about the Armageddon. The fucking Armageddon is here. We are in the Armageddon. Um, if, you, if, you, if you look at, just look at a fucking, um, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, cobalt, a cobalt mining fucking um, operation. I read it, just uh, saw a video on it just tonight. One of uh, Reinhardt's uh, mines in in Perth, they've got robotic dogs following these guys, the miners, from their dongers to their workstation in the idea of safety and security. Mm. But all that video feed that these robot dogs have been been monitored, going back to... HR and being monitored. Yeah, like, that data has been assessed, right? It's, it's not safety and security. It's. Well, I'll give you another example. Like you know, surveillance is a great example, right? You know, when CCTV came out, it was a new thing where we can have. We didn't need God anymore because we had eyes everywhere. So religion went by the wayside because now we've got the technological means to actually be everywhere. Um, if you look at union movements and what they've achieved for surveillance in the workplace, because that's essentially what you're talking about, surveillance in the workplace, right? Um. Without a police report, you can't pull that surveillance, theoretically, right? But you go, well, why are you recording it to begin with? You know, it's to record thefts or it's to record um, uh, mismanagement or misappropriation. It's to catch mistakes, right? That's the idea. That They're there to That's catch... That's the idea, but it's the people holding playing mistakes. That, that footage that decides whether it stays... Is it actually it being goes. used in that context, though? And that's the argument. And, and my argument is, yes, they're trying to do that. They are absolutely trying to do that. Um, we all have the device, the black mirror in our phone. Oh, sorry, in our pocket. That black mirror is in our pocket. That um, microphone's always hot. Yeah, man. And absolutely it is. Like, we know they're listening. Uh, you know, uh, Cambridge Analytica proved that. You know, they are listening. They understand our political persuasion. They know the bandwidth of those that can be converted and, in fact, be enforcers of your idea because you inflate them with the doom scroll um, uh, content that they get. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love a good doom scroll. They've actually shown, you know, remember when we were younger? This will blow your mind, man. This will blow your mind. When we were younger, sex was sold for everything. It's always chicks in bikinis. It was always it was, dudes man. with it six was packs. Cigarettes, it was beer. It was, it was a loaf you, of bread. You, it was, it milk, was like milk. girl in a p- bikini. That yeah, was it. and they and they did cater to the uh, the other the, the opposite sex as well. They did cater for women's sexuality as well. There's always the you know the dude washing his car with a six pack, and it's for you know for um, uh, sure. yellow pages ads that were were like that. That we we used to use sex. Everywhere, but that was the tagline. Sex because sells. the studies at the time showed that sex sells. 
you know what sells now? Outrage. Outrage. They found that outrage in the brain is more effective than sex. Because if you were walking down the street and you saw a topless woman, you'd be like, you know, wow, oh my gosh, my, my attention has, is being grabbed, right? But if you saw someone that was being beaten up by cops innocently in the street, there are more neurons that fire in your brain than seeing the naked lady. And they've found that outrage actually is more powerful than sex. And that's when you look at all of our content now. now Bud Light did it. Out, outrage culture. Outrage culture. And, the, and we, we, got, we call it doom scrolling, right? We call it doom scrolling for a reason because we're looking for outrage. And we're looking for... And it's not just outrage. It's also contrast. It's more nuanced than just outrage. They'll also supplement the content with things of interest. So if you're an avid podcaster and an avid video editor, you'll get video editing clips and how-tos and or you know whatever you have tick like on, you'll still get that content. Yeah. But it will be laced with outrage. And where they place the ads in the algorithm is perfect timing for you to... Is it time to get married and buy a wedding ring? Have you thought about freezing your eggs? Have you... Um, maybe it's time for a new car now that you're at this age. Oh, you changed your job. Maybe you can get a bigger loan on your house. I actually made the joke the other day. I picked up uh, my wife's phone and started talking in the bottom of it. And I mm. said, women's therapy. Women's therapy. Mm. And, uh, you know, trying to get your wife to give you a foot massage. And yeah. all this other stuff. Just trying to muck around and go hey look like it's probably going to pop up scary thing is it probably is you start talking about vacuum cleaners to mm. your wife you're going to have vacuum cleaners pop up well the, well, the argument is, is that the google and you well the tech giants will argue that the algorithm is so strong that it it, it was onto it before you were onto it my, my i take the occam's razor approach the reality is it's listening to you yes. and it's been triggered and you have content that's triggered by um, uh, phrases and keywords. Yeah. And it's feeding into that mechanism. And you got to really understand this as well. Like, you, you know, YouTube, right? You've got to think about the server farm. Think about how much YouTube content is loaded a day. And think about how much is watched per day. Think about how much energy it costs to run the servers that capture that HD content. Absolutely. Think about the air conditioning to keep those servers cool. And then think about the size of those rooms they're warehouses so they're literally farming warehouses of content about your metadata what you upload what you search for what yep. you talk about yep. what your friends talk about it's then networked into algorithms that get smarter and smarter every year um, and, and, and you see it across multiple platforms they're now remarketing platforms across different demographics anyone's on Facebook is a grandma right that was but that used to be the new thing now, they're on Instagram, TikTok. Big debate about TikTok because it's not owned by Western Hands. Um, but, you know, um, another one we're doing at the moment is B-roll. Have you heard of B-roll? It's where you, you don't have a chance to take a photo and set it up. You have to take it within a minute and then post it. So, it's an honest, honest photo. I've No, that. sorry. It's not called B-roll. It's called B-real. So, we've been doing B-reels because it's, you know, you've got to be real in the moment. So, they've... They have figured out how to target different people of being content providers. And that's the difference between TV and phones. See, with the TV, it's a one-way traffic. It's only going one direction. It's going into you. Um, Got to go for a leak? Yeah. All right. right let's I'm pause listening. it. Let's pause it. Let's pause it. Well, we're back from the break, and I was talking about 
um, generations in different platforms like you know Facebook is for older people Instagram seems to be for not so much older people but the young people are all on TikTok there's a lot of you know there's a lot of TikToking going on out there that um, there's a lot of paranoia because it's not Western owned it's Chinese owned right you got a lot of opinions about this am I am I, am I, I stirring a hornet's nest or I have very very strong opinions on this one it sounds risky okay <laughs> Um, I mean, microphone. <laughs> there we go. I have very strong opinions on this one. Yeah, no, because it's. I mean, the Second World War is all against fascism, and I feel like there's mm-hmm. a Third World War, and it's going to be against communism. Yeah, okay. You know, um, and I, I'll tie it back into this with with TikTok. Like, it's really. For the Western side of the world, mm. it's about making fun little videos and content creation and all that. But being a Chinese, you know, the the, the communist but party. But is, is that the is that the paranoia of the other though? You know how there's always the other. Is that I the paranoia know. of the I other? I mean, they seem to be more educational in China, from what I've heard. Well, yeah, I, I have read into those things, like where they say, um, you know, they say. Um, that the content streams for teenagers in China is very different in nature to those in the West. Uh, those in the West, it seems to be dumbed down. It's more about um, status, um, aesthetics, how you look, uh, comedy. But in China, I believe it's more about science, um, government movements, um, uh, philosophy, um, which is very different and I, I don't know if that's much, true or not how much of that comes into a political ideology as well well is it weaponized though i think that's the real question is it weaponized against the youth in the west versus the youth in the east you know i think that's really the question is I don't, it, is it look, weaponized I, I i don't know if it's if it's weaponized but i do know from the the two different sides mm. you know west of the east it's very very different mm. and i mean you've also got to understand that we come from a very capitalist point of view mm-hmm. being in the west and being a communist country mm. china russia uh, North Korea, a lot of a lot of the countries on the east is all about nationalism. Yeah, okay. But you can argue that's for the same case for us, though, right? If you look at Google, for instance, they're collecting all our data, they're centralising all our metadata. It's just that it's done in the west, not the east. You know, they, they, yes, they're, still, it's, they're still it's a corporation. Not, I think this is where a lot of people you think they're going a are step really further? dangerous, uh, think it's dangerous with a communist country, is that but do you think they're going a step further? or They are, because they've got the social credit system mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't go to particular restaurants. Yeah, getting loans. If you or... don't have the right uh, social score, mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, like you've got to... It's almost like manners and politeness brought in on a, on a, a national scale or mm. a... On a far bigger scale than just the home. Well, um, I guess the other question is, is um, you know, with the it's well, the military posture of Australia, you know, getting these submarines, nuclear submarines, AUKUS, um, uh, increasing North Force, uh, you know, to protect, you know, they're saying that they're doing this to protect trade routes, right? But where are our trade routes? They're with China. 
So I find it a, um, a paradox. We're defending against our trade routes, but our trade routes are with those that we're defending it against. It's a bit of a conundrum. You know what I mean? Like I find something odd with that. Um, are they anticipating World War Three? Is that what it's really about? And if we are going to take an Anglo-Saxon solution, you know, uh, to to the conflict, is that the right course of action for Australia? You know? I don't know. I don't think Australia's best interests ever come into the play. Well, there's that little bro- brother syndrome. It's that little brother syndrome, right? Where the little brother, and we're not even in NATO. You know, we're not even in it. Um, we've participated in it, but we're not in it. We're not in the North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organisation. We we um, are a part of the Western OCD Alliance. That's true. Uh, but I think solutions for us are unique because of our geographic location, our, how we were founded, where, you know, and what, how we make money. You know, how we make money. The irony is that, like we sell iron ore to China, Right, so one would argue that they're building, you know, their their fleet out of that ore. You know, they're building that they're, they're building the thing that is supposed to be attacking us Look, from the I, thing that we're selling to them. I, I'm a welder and fabricator, and when it comes to steel, I will swear up and down every day mm. that Australian steel mm. is far better to work with than Chinese steel. Mm-hmm. And what pisses me off is that we are selling top-notch iron ore to the Chinese mm. and we're importing their scrap. Yeah, yeah, we're getting their, their seconds, right? We're not getting their prime stock. No. They would be keeping that. No, because that's how they're making their money. Now, this is where I feel we're kind of stuck as, mm. you know... As Australia is that we are back in America, we're we're back in UK mm. as an as a war ally. Mm. Like you it's, need, the Anglo, it's the Anglo-Saxon solution, yeah. Yeah, you you need frontline men. You call the Australians, mm. and that's the way it's always been. We we've been gone gun fodder. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and that's since even um, the Anzac spirit, right? Like, uh, um, but I think surely though, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking too far out of school, but. Uh, previously, we've had more regional solutions. You know, we're working with the Philippines, working with Malaysia, working with Indonesia. You know, and and you know that hasn't always worked out. You know, there's all kinds of things that have gone on there, but I think that what it requires is more of a nuance, man. I think I don't I don't believe we should be aiming towards war. That's for damn sure. No, yeah. but we're also stuck in a sticky situation because we're now essentially the ones that are the main defence for the Pacific. Yeah. Well, they got got, um, again, though, we're a staging area, right? If you look at North Force there, they've got um, an American base there uh, near Lone Pine. And uh, there's, you know, 600 blokes there. They want to increase that contingent. Um, you, know, you know, if you look at where Americans have bases around the world, they're literally everywhere. It's the most military-occupied scenario in history, mm-hmm. actually. If you look at that, if you look at it as a footprint, um, they have many bases, many places all over the world, um, from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere, across the equator. They are everywhere, um, you know. And I, I, I draw on like you know pop culture again, you know, um, um, you know, uh, what's that film with all the puppets? The um, uh, Team America. You oh, know, Team America. Yeah, yeah. Matt the, Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah, but they're the, they're the world police, right? Um, not saying that you know. I'm, 
advocating for you know uh, you know um, for Chinese military uh, advancement in our region. I'm not, of course not, but I, I would certainly say that um, surely um, leading into the future, like people like you know again people like Elon Musk, right? Where we should be coming a space-faring civilization. There are bigger things to do. Like climate change, for me, like they call climate change a problem, right? I think for me, when I zoom out from that, my belief is that it's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to just learn how to actually um, control the environment. We should be studying that, figuring out how to do that. Because if we can do that here, if we can terraform our own planet, that means we can terraform other planets. It gives us a knowledge and a wisdom to do it elsewhere. It's not a problem. It's an opportunity. And I think this four-year cycle of, you know, the democracy model is severely flawed. And it's always been said to, even back to Plato, man, that's that's always been stated. But it's the best system that we've got. You know, there's no, what's the alternative? You know, dictatorship, communists, um, regimes, these are the alternatives. All right, so to play the devil's advocate, though, is it really the best platform we've got? Because so let's, far. let's so far. really face it, CIA, please take note. <laughs> Shadow ban, straight up. <laughs> I mean, straight away, we've got to realise that as allies of the US, we have to follow in behind a two-party system hmm. set up in a failing system. Like hmm. it's Regardless of whether it's democracy or not, it's hmm. failing. Hmm. But is it right. though? Is it failing? There's failures, but does that mean that the whole system is failing? The American dollar is about to collapse. Well, they are in trouble, um, and it's already predicted that um, China will be the economic superpower. So how by does, 2025 they believe? So how does the world superpower have a dollar collapse? <sighs> well, and see, this is like other this dollars is where we get in into sticky situations, is because. As an island in the Pacific, well, we have essentially control of the Pacific, and we are playing devil's advocate. Yeah, we are the man China in the middle, and, and the US. Mm. We are the man in the middle, or well, the person in the middle. We are the, we are the thing in the middle. So it, it it makes you look at the bigger picture. It's like what what is the better? I don't know what's better. Meanwhile, we're stuck with the bullshit monarchy. That nobody wants to break away from because we're an island full of prisoners. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. Honours and traditions, right? Like, you know, uh, our head of state is monarchy-based, right? You know, the there is a seat that sits in the Senate that is uh, reserved for um, our royal head of state. That's a fact. You know, you can't get around that. Um, but, you know, if we push to an American system where, you know, the, you know we have a president that is the governor-general, essentially, is the yeah. governor-general and the president, they are... They are a model of the yeah. They're a model above those two houses, right? They have veto. That's what it is. That's how that system works. It is based off a Westminster. You know, the Americans are based off a Westminster system, but the Westminster system in Australia, you have to, one could easily argue that it has been successful. Like we have gotten to this point, it is cooperative. Even you know, it may, perhaps um, after the Eureka Stockade, it is more cooperative uh, because we did give them all that gold. Uh, that did happen. Um, we did give them our resources, but now as a corporate world, right, I would say that sovereignty is totally eroded. It was eroded even back in World War Two, man. Like, IBM were working on both sides. Coca-Cola, they were working on both sides, you know, the Nazi side, the Allies side. They hedged their bets. 
but it, I mean, again, I, I, Second World War is a big, big one as well. The Americans like to say that they won that, but how many Germans did they bring on to their scientific board yeah. to then set up bon know, Braun, man. Manhattan, bon Manhattan Project and everything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, even just getting to the moon, man. Most of them were Nazis, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, but again, like uh, you know, you could argue that did the Americans win the World War Two? It was more Russians. No, well, Russians like died. They, they came in in the, in the end, mm. on the tail end of it all. Well, half a million went, Americans died, but twenty million Russians died fighting that war. You know, who who about, actually won the war? What about the rest of the Allies? What about the French? What about what about the the English, mm. the Australians? The oh New yeah, the Zealand, contingent. Yeah, the like, contingent. There was definitely the, but no, it still doesn't add up to twenty million. No. You know, like, the Russians really um, uh, sacrificed, man. And again, I don't want to sound like a... I'm not saying... I'm talking about that point in history, like... Oh, I'm, they were allies against they fascism. Were. They were. And um, I mean, obviously, communists are going to be against fascism. Well, that was the whole Cold War, right? And the uh, the proxy wars that they had afterwards, you know, Korean War, Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, you asked my son about them. Yeah. He'll, he'll tell you <laughs> all about that. Um, but you know, there's these proxy wars, and there's this proxy war that's happening at the moment in the Ukraine. That's an uh, it's an American funded war uh, against the Russians, you know. Um, but again, you know, it's a hard one because you you could see that the border of Moscow, right? Moscow, Moscow, um, has shifted since the Berlin Wall fell, mm-hmm. and they keep shifting back towards their border. And if you take their position and go, well, they are feeling hard done by. I'm not saying that that's a good reason to bomb um, uh, cities in Ukraine. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, well, we did poke the bear a bit there. We did poke the bear. We, why did why did the Ukraine need to be a part of NATO? It didn't need to be. It can be its own thing. It can be, in fact, it could be a neutral country if necessary. It doesn't need to be where it is at the moment. But it seems that the issue was forced. Uh, when Trump was in, like he really shut down the war against Russia. As soon as the Democrat gets in there, they're straight to it. They're literally straight to work. You know, um, there's no... Oh, no! Ah, pause it, pause it! Many have to be a history buff like myself. Mm. But the First World War, yeah. known as, also known as the Great War... Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the First World War at the time, no? No, it right. was the Great War, and it was started by an assassination. Yeah, yeah, uh, they killed the Tsar. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand. Second World War was about Germany. Yep. Sadly, a second time, but for a different reason, and that was just trying to have a perfect race. And I think that's because of one... They did steal a lot of gold. I think it was about money. There was a lot of money involved. It was about the money, yeah, reappropriation of wealth, yeah. The race came into it, don't get me wrong, but... And they did horrible things, but really they did those horrible things because of greed. Yeah. And I think this is Same what we're talking about is World War Three because I think we've already had the Third World War mm. and everybody was involved in the war against terror. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Every nation in the world at one point in time was involved in that war. Well, that's why I channel uh, Steve Hughes. Like, how do you go to war on terror? Because what does war create? Fucking terror. <laughs> terror. So it's that war with it. War is that war with itself, which is an interesting concept. 
How do you terrorize terror? How do you, yeah, how do you eliminate terror? It's the same as the war on drugs, man. It's really the war on people, right? That's what it comes down to. War is on people. It, it, the, the actual cost to war is people, whether it's civilian or military. They're I, all people. I agree with you 100%. And I would go down that road every day of the week. Yeah, but we've been doing it for millennia, right? But we're doing a podcast right now. Yeah, I know. Well, we can't solve, solve all the world's woes. I know that. But it's interesting to talk about. Like, I just, like, we had, like, you know, talking about World War One, right? It was, you know, trench warfare. And they had a new adaptation, which was air warfare, because they invented the airplane, right? And the biological warfare. And it was also, yeah, yeah, um, uh, chemical warfare, biological warfare. Um, they had submarines, so it wasn't just war at sea, it was war under the sea. So there's these different spaces where war started to accumulate. By the time you got to World War Two, it's definitely about, you know, air battles. It's definitely about undersea battles. It's definitely about surface sea battles and land battles. And those land battles uh, you know, comprised of not just infantry, but also big machines known as tanks and, you know, artillery. Um, and when you move into the future, more spaces have existed now. So if you look at spy technology, you know, these are satellites that are in space. It's another space of warfare, you know. So you've got literally out of space, land, air, sea, under the sea, and now we have cyberspace. We have this other space where war exists, where we, you know, we're worried about the traffic of information. And each war, if you look at it in contrast, the First World War wasn't predictable because we didn't understand the machine gun. Because we didn't understand the machine gun, we are using trench warfare to sending troops into enfilade fire. We didn't, we didn't understand it. World War II did the same thing. We didn't understand the V2 rocket and how it can be so devastating where you can launch it from city to city. That was a new thing. During the Cold War, the idea of the accumulation of knowledge through um, espionage is a very new thing. And where we are now is a new thing again. And that new thing is beyond um, battle spaces that are traditional. They are new battle spaces. We were talking about it before with TikTok. Has TikTok been weaponized? Is Google weaponized? Is this the military-industrial complex butting against the freedom of like being able to to deliver medical care online, to being able to deliver um, uh, forms online so that people can have the right information to make the right decisions about economics, geographics, land management, um, you know, um, productivity, the analysis of how workspaces are going and how they are advancing, the you know the the civil rights movement, the gender movement, you know, all of these things are measurable in these spaces. And I think the real new battle space is literally cyberspace. And that's the war that we don't predict. It's not going to be... I think Einstein might have been wrong a little bit about, you know, nuclear war there, like the Third World War being nuclear. I think the real Third World War is the war of information. The, the war of social engineering... I think you are right there because, I mean, that's the biggest issue with, uh, you know, the social uh, social credit score mm. in China Yeah, is is that, you know, everybody knows what everybody's doing. Like, yeah. what happened to, I mean... Privacy. I, I, what I happened to privacy? Yeah, I don't like secrets, but you don't talk about what our family does to anybody else. What our family does is our business. Mm. Yeah, but if somebody else does something different and they talk about it at school, mm. that's their business. 
we don't talk about our business. Well, I think ultimately, though, the, the, the sphere of privacy has moved. Like before, like when we were kids in the uh, playground, what, coming home when the streetlights were on, when you, you know, when you, like bullying is a good example, right? Bullying is a fantastic example for this. Bullying used to, um, um, eh? all good. Bullying used to, um, you know, be stuck at school. It didn't follow you home. Now, because of the cyberspace, bullying follows you home. It's about being attacked 24 hours a day. And that's what happens to us in society as well. With the doom scrolling, we are targeted with content to put us in an emotional state in order to divide us. If you look at the, you know, the polarization of every topic of anything that anyone says, even comedians are under attack. Like the art itself is under attack. Um, and for me, like in my experience in life, from you know being a soldier to becoming an artist, I I realised the uh, um, the relationship between the two. Like filming something is a shoot, firing a weapon is also a shoot. Um, it's the it's the um, and you're still looking down a crosshair. Yeah, yeah, you're still looking through an aperture. You still fill a camera with a magazine. You still call action. It's the theatre of battle. It's the theatre of war. Like, all of these terminologies were born out of art. Like, I don't believe that the Wright brothers, when they were flying the first flight, thought that, I'm going to strap bombs to this and bomb cities. This is perfect. I remember when you told me that about four years ago. Yeah, the intersection of art and war. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's happening now is the art is being weaponized. And, and that's where the fear of AI comes into it because then the idea of the artist is now relinquished beyond human control. That's the real fear because art seems to be the first precursor to speaking to our dreams. Like if you look, look at the first films that were ever made, they were about going to the moon. You know, the, um, you know, they landed on the, you know, there's films that they land on the moon then they landed in the ocean. 60 years later, they literally did it. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry for people that don't believe we landed on the moon. But we did. We landed on the moon and, and we did that in an analogue space. And now we're about to go there in a the digital space. We're about to embark on a, on a, on a... I really believe that humans at the moment are embarking on a journey to outer space and inner space. If you look at the contrast of the understanding of psychedelics, you know, the idea of psychedelics 10 years ago would be um, uh, coincided with drug use, yeah. not healing. You know, I think that that we are definitely on this journey, and there are indicators that that are making it okay. Like the, again, to the Me Too movement, these secrets needed to come out. Um, Alex Jones, man, you know, talking about you know Whore Island, and everyone thought he was fucking crazy. But I gotta be honest, man, I'm um, kind of a retard. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I believe, no, but that was an Alex Jones quote, and I love that clip. It's one of my favourite. Alex Jones, you're a champion. Yeah, well, well, don't get me wrong, the Sandy Hook stuff is fucking heavy, man, and, you know, he got caught up in it. But then Oh, he says some silly things, but on on the whole, Alex Jones has it nailed. He was right about Whore Island. He was right about a whole bunch of stuff that we thought that was kooky. Um, you know, he was wrong. He was right about a lot of the Epstein stuff. Totally, totally. The guy that hung himself four times, you know, like, uh, we know that there's, you know, if you ask someone, define conspiracy. If you ask any General Joe on the street, define conspiracy. 
part of their definition will involve the word theory. And not all conspiracies are theories. They're actual conspiracies. Um, clearly, like, someone assassinated Kennedy. Someone did that. That's a conspiracy. We've got theories about what those conspiracies are, but that doesn't mean conspiracies don't occur. They're not all theories. It's so. been proven that the government creates cover-ups. So why would they not cover up the small stuff? Mm. Why would they just cover up the big stuff? No. Okay? I don't trust the government. Mm. What's being said hasn't really happened, I believe. I believe the official record is wrong. Mm. Well, let me ask but you this. Let me ask you this. You're, you're, you're a parent, right? Have you ever lied to your child? Uh, for the last seven years, because Santa's real. So you lie, yeah. You know, we 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 lie to our children about these ideas, right? The ideas specifically. And I agree with you. I'm a parent. I control that child and what that child believes. So and you... I tell it what I want. Why wouldn't the government do the same That's thing right. to me as a grown ass? Because man? you you have agency. Because you need to look after the kid, right? You have agency over their welfare. And that's what a government is. It's agency over welfare. They even call it welfare. That's what it is. Yeah. If you go to the hospital, you get hurt. You know, you go to the hospital. Yeah, sorry, you, you know, you hurt yourself, go to the hospital. Um, you lose your job, you turn to the government. They help you out. Right? We can argue that the help is inadequate or it's not as good as it can be. We can have those arguments. But that's essentially what they are. They are, they are um, someone that has agency in our development and welfare. Like schools are framed by the government, universities are framed Absolutely. by the government. The way that corporations operate are formed by the government. Like, um, they, there's an old saying like, "Don't take on the crown," because the crown's been here for two hundred years, man. It's always won the argument. But for for me, this is the big part of being a parent: mm. is that the we are the ones that are meant to be teaching these mm. kids. <laughs> That's better. I got an up and got down. I didn't get a few. <laughs> Look, I mean, the world is a mess. Mm. As parents, we need to be raising our kids the way we feel mm. is the right way. Yeah. And I think the PC bullshit that's, that's out there, the politics, like the world is a mess. We know that. But but hasn't it always been but, a mess? Hasn't it but always, it's always been a mess? But again, it's always been a mess. Kennedy was assassinated. Well, I think it's less you know, of a mess was... than it is before, though. I think it's less than a mess. That's how no, all these I people think are here. We know it's more. Uh, we know it's a bigger mess than it we used to think it was because of social media. Mm. We have that connection. We know. Yeah, those the optics. Yeah. A mess. Well, I, I, we didn't have that connection before. Now we're at a point where. Okay, the whole world is a dumpster fire and we really need to come back and this is where I feel we need to come back to smaller community mm. and just worrying about our people. It's 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 a, the saying is it takes a village to raise a child. And it's true. That's how we were and raised. We need That's to how bring we were raised. Back to our village yeah. and forget about everything else I know there. but there's a lot of um, uh, content out there for kids that can be taken on an iPad while the parents are doom scrolling you know that does exist that is a thing um, and I go is that a weapon is that a weapon against uh, us you know and slowly eroding away at our freedom and that is on those parents it's mm. not on me all well, I'm saying is that I feel 
as ask, parents, we we need to be aware. Ask any social media of what executive. What these kids are using, the devices, the apps. But here's a, here's an indicator for you. Ask any um, uh, executive uh, that's involved in social media. Ask them if their children have a device, and most of them say no, and that's an indicator. Like, and another indicator for me is like if you look at we're in an unprecedented time. There's four generations at the workforce at the moment. That's never happened before. Like the the elderly are in the workforce, and the younger people, you know, there's child labour, right? So if you look at the contrast of humans at the moment, the age bracket of the workforce used to be, you know, up to sixty, but then you would even have people that are outside the workforce leading up to sixty. So it's actually a, the medium is smaller than that. It's, it was around fifty because the life expectancy was lower, but now we have four generations in the workforce. It's never happened before. Not never in human history, ever. Not that we know of, if you look at our ancient apocalypse, maybe it's possible um, prior to 12,000 years ago. But as far as we know it, this has never happened before. We are certainly in the age of glass. And, and people always look at me and go, what do you mean the age of glass? Well, I'll tell you. If you, all of the, tra- the transmission of this podcast is going through a fiber optic. It's, it, it, it is transmitted on glass because that's what a fiber optic is. It's going into homes that are surrounded by glass. Skylines that are, you know, the literal skylines of our cities are made of glass. We had the age of steel. We had the age of oil. We've had the age, you know, the Bronze Age, uh, the, the, you know, um, the Stone Age. I really believe that it, the silicon chip itself is made from glass. That's what silicon is. We're in this age of information and we're certainly in this enlightenment but we have to be vigilant. I really believe that we have to be vigilant not to let the military-industrial complex win. Again, I don't want to sound like we shouldn't be someone that defends our nation. We should defend our nation. We should have um, clandestine forces that are monitoring people that are dodging. We should have um, uh, forces in case someone goes, I want to steal your shit. Mm-hmm. We should have a force that goes, you're not stealing our shit because we've got this shit that says no. Absolutely. We should definitely have a, a military-industrial complex. What we shouldn't do is allow that to bleed into the general society because what are we defending to begin with? You know, We are defending freedom. True freedom is for us to disagree. True freedom is for us to agree. True freedom is to be able to say what you want to be able to, uh, to say without inciting violence. Uh, true freedom is to pursue your dreams. And I think that we are—we uh, uh, all should be in fear of losing that potential of pursuing our dreams. If we lose any of that, we lose freedom. Yeah, it's ours to lose, right? If you don't—if you don't use your freedom, you will lose it. Absolutely. You have to stand up. We have to stand up, and and like. There's been rights in Australia over you know during COVID, and there were some of those rights where I looked at, I go, man, that's really horrible and sad. But there was part of me that goes, well, at least those people are standing up for what they believe in. They're not necessarily everything that I believe in. They may have aspects of what I believe in about expressing freedom, but they should have the right to protest and and to write to public assembly. Um, you should have the right to uh, you know um, not be attacked by someone who's dressed ready to invade Poland with a taser if you're 95 years old, you know like <laughs> there's limits and I think we need more education, more understanding. We need to explore inner space just as much as we explore outer space. And I think like we're in an interesting time, 
especially our generation, the generation that's in this room, there's a bit of a contrast, a little bit of age difference, but nonetheless, from the same ilk, the same space. We got to have them with Jan. Yeah, yeah, no, Jan's all right. You all right, Jan? I'm all right. I'm still here. I'm still, he's still here. here. He's happy. No, but I really, I really do believe that. I, I, I believe that we don't need to go back to our traditional uh, gender roles, but we certainly need to go back to the idea of cooperation. And we can cooperate. And and that's a big, big thing for me as well, is teamwork. Like, everybody has their part to play. Yeah. And that's why I come back to community. That's why I come back to dads talking to each other. I talk about... Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's it's, why I was, I'm really stoked just, to have you on the show, Nathan. It I'm comes really... back to trying to tie everything in. And, and, like, the world is scary, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm. I love everything with world politics. I think it's amazing that the US... Not that it's amazing. I'll, I'll rephrase. Um, profound. Every It's profound. Everything that's happening in the world at the moment with the US dollar about to collapse... Um, you know, the Do you want to take a bet on it? We can take a bet on it. You want, you're going to bet that the uh, US dollar collapses? I'll, I'll bet you one US dollar. I thought it was <laughs> going to happen last month, so I'm already in the red. They already got another loan, but how many loans can you get before it goes sour? Yeah. I don't know. They Last I checked, they had tr- $3 trillion, so if they got more than that now. Yeah. Oh, Australia's $1 trillion, right? We're $1 trillion. Even so... With inflation happening too. I don't see us running off the one. Mm-hmm. So our dollar will collapse at some point. No, I think, look, the world is shit. The world sucks, Mm. right? There are bad people out there. There are things outside of our control. But what we can control are our community, the people we're with, the people we share our... How we deliver energy. Yeah, how we share our truth. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to say it, actually. How we share our truth. How we tell our story. What is our narrative? Where do we? Where are we situated in the zeitgeist of where the world is going? And I think Australia is a very unique place. It's so remote, but so influential. And I think that um, we should definitely come up with a hybrid model of how we solve our regional problems. Does it require an Anglo-Saxon alliance? Probably. But does it require other alliances that are more geographic to us? But what I'm saying... What I'm saying That took is, forever. That's the longest uh, time it took for a mic, uh, no, mic knock. What, I, what I'm saying is, is that it's not, it's not even the political issue. It's a community issue. It's mm. a, a one-on-one issue. It's about... It really is community. It's not a political... Well, do, do you think psychology ties into that? Like the, the human psyche? Like where, where we feel as people? Hey, Jan, have we got another three hours? No, we got. We could do another ten. We'll do another ten. We'll get another ten out. You can get this one out. You'll be right. You'll be smashing it, bro. I love you, neighbor. <laughs> Man, so- no, like, before you go on, like, allow me to, uh, allow me to um, uh, show, uh, uh, indulge. Uh, indulge me for a moment. Wait, who's, who's cutting this apart? Nobody. There's nobody. It's just Jan. You mean the film? You mean the, the podcast? No, we're raw, baby. It all goes on. It all goes up. No, but allow, allow me to indulge. Allow me to indulge, man. From the journey that we had as friends from that pub where we were talking conspiracy theory to getting you on as a producer and showing you the ropes and how to do technical stuff to you doing a podcast about men's health, men's, uh, men's mental health 
and and you know in other things it's not just about that I, I know that but that's the that's the main thing about it and the people that you've reached like i can see from your content that you've had a positive effect on people and to be a part of that um makes me it gives me joy man i'm really stoked for you and i just if i could be someone that tells you to keep going because you, you know, what, you know, what are you up to? Episode eighty-five, ninety, where, where are you up to? I'm up there somewhere. You're about to pass, you know, hundred episodes. I'm over. A, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm over a hundred. I always said to people like, hundred episodes of a podcast really teaches you as a podcaster because you've got to do those hundred episodes because it takes time. It takes time. It's not something that is easily admitted. You have to acquire it, and that's that's a technical way to acquire it. And there's a there's the art form itself mm. to acquire. So allow me to like just show me appreciation, man. I really love what you're doing at um, not so secret dad's business because I think it ties into a void. There's a void there that you're feeling, and there's others doing it too. You're not, you know, you're not the only. I'm not the only one. I'm definitely not the only one. I've made a lot of great podcast friends, like dads who are podcasters Mm. who have their own fatherhood podcasts. Mm. But there is definitely a niche out there. Well, I, I certainly, yeah, I certainly find it to be authentic. Your podcast is very authentic and heartfelt, and it comes from a place of um, honesty. It comes from a place of um, understanding. It comes from a place of risk as well. That's what podcasters forget. A lot of risk involved in a podcast because you got to put your heart out there. You got to be honest. You got to say controversial well, it's, things. It's sometimes. very much like this. We sit down. We talk to each other face to face. We just have a conversation, mm. and then we take that conversation and bang it on the internet. Mm. Whether somebody likes it or not, the way I see it is fuck them. Mm. <laughs> fuck because it. it's it's not their conversation. Mm. It's it was mine. Yeah, I I, I guess so, I have a paradox with it. I I find it to be um selfless and selfish. So it's selfish because like I learned something tonight. Like I learned about different platforms. I learned about um I got a deeper understanding of your podcast. I learned something you know from fellow to fellow. And I know, like, you know, I, I, give, I, I give that as well. Like, I give out information, right? I learned something. That's my selfish part of it. But my selfless part of it is I'm going to publish it and go, I hope someone else gets something out of this. Like, I hope, I hope it's, it's beneficial to them. If you're, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I say, go for it. When I, when I started, there was less than a million podcasters. Now there's three million. You know, it's a growing, it's a growing platform. It's beyond those. You know, we were talking before about social media platforms. Podcasting's beyond that. It's that long form content that can be nuanced, generalized. There's, it's really the wild west of content. And I find it exciting. It's very rock and roll in nature. Yeah, but then you've also got the young ones that are like, oh my God, I've just realized podcasts are big. I'm going to make so much money podcasting isn't about money and that's the biggest thing I've well, it can learned. be it can be it can be but that shouldn't be what drives it no it should be curiosity passion it should be creation it's it's I don't know it's it's, it's all about putting something out there that you want to put out it's, nothing else should be driving you to podcast yeah um, and I think it's the same with filmmaking or writing music, whether it be lyrics or melodies mm. or whatever you do, if you're a creative, I think you should be doing it for you for first. Mm. And then if you're putting it out there, 
then you get a secondary yeah, yeah, that's feedback a, from that's it. That's a residual, yeah. And that, and like you said, it's the people stopping and listening to what you're you're putting out, or they're they're leaving the reviews, or yeah, well, they're I'm, reaching out to you and going, "Hey, I resonated with this bit. Mm. Thank you for putting that out. Yeah, it means the world." Well, I have my like, you know, don't get me wrong. I have my like thirty listeners that listen every week. Thank you guys. Um, keep listening, keep watching. Uh, but you usually get about a hundred, right? Um, sometimes you get a thousand, right? Um, but it's those thirty listeners that I go, man, I want to turn that into a hundred so I can have a positive influence with the guests that I have on about what they're doing as podcasting, what they're doing as an actor, and 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 creating that um availability, that accessibility to going. You know what? You're, you are worth it. If you've got desires to do so, just give it a shot, man. Give yourself the right to fail. You're not going to win every time. You know, um, we were talking off air before, like I did an interview with um, Peter Garrett, right? And I was supposed to deliver it back to the TV station. Oh, I, I, look, I've done that before. You don't hit record and you get to the end and go, Fuck. fuck. You know, and there's the, you know, the the producer that knocks over the camera and you'd be like, oh, shit, man, you know, but you can't feel bad about that forever. I, I, I guess what my message is, is to appreciate the positive impact you have. And that may be only 10 people in a room. That may be only five people in a room. But that number will grow if you're, if you're being real. And if you, if you become a better conversationalist, if you become a, a better interviewer, mm. but realize that not just an interview... It's a give and take. It, you know, there's, everyone is driving the ship of conversation. And I would only ask for people to participate that. And if you, and if you think it's entertaining, put it out there on the internet. Give yeah. it a go. What have you got to lose? And this is where I'm at in today's world as well, is that you can't have conversation because everybody has to be PC. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't give a fuck mm. whether it's PC or not. Tell me what your opinion is. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I'm at. That's why I podcast. Tell me what your opinion is. Mm. Well, speaking of podcasts, where can we find your podcast, Nathan? Everywhere. You can find <laughs> it on Apple. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Deezer. You can find it on Google Podcasts. You can find it on Spreaker. You can find it absolutely everywhere. Yeah, so if they're looking for it, where can they do a search for it? What are we looking at here? Not so secret dad's business. Not so is in the brackets because mm-hmm. it's not a huge secret. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, it's not a secret here today, that's for sure. And you got an Insta as well? You're on Instagram, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at not so secret dad's business and Facebook at not so secret dad's business. We're all the same. All right, fantastic, man. Allow me to thank you again, man. I've had an absolute ball um, talking to you today, and I'm really proud of your podcast, man, because I, I, I think it really does fill that void, and it's participating in a really positive conversation. So thank you. Thank you, man. All right, guys, you've been watching The Pagey Train. You can check us out on Spotify. That's right, video on Spotify. Or you can check us out on YouTube. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe. And if you avid listeners out there, you can find us on... Apple iTunes or iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. You've been watching The Pager Train, and we'll see you next time. Man, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm not thrilled with it. I'm like, I made... Dude, you should be thrilled with it. You should be thrilled with it.